Welcome to the new season of First Time, Long Time. I'm Aaron Wolf. This season is going to have stories about baseball radio broadcasters, a guy trying to bike around the world, summer camp, and so much more. And look, I need to ask you for some money to keep doing this, but somehow I hate fundraising more than I hate going into credit card debt to make this show. So instead, I'm going to tell you a story about a small group of people that did something impossible. It's a story about the power of people versus corporations, about community, about passion. A story about a soccer team from Wimbledon. In 1889, a few kids from the Old Central School in the district of Wimbledon in southwest of London gathered on the commons near the Fox and Grapes pub and decided to form a soccer team. They called themselves Wimbledon Old Central Football Club after their alma mater, and they won their very first game against Westminster, 1-0. In 1905, the Old Centrals became simply Wimbledon FC. People called them the Dons or Wombles for short. British people love making up words. And for almost their entire existence, the Dons played in the lower levels of English football, playing what's called non-league football seven tiers below the big boys in the Premier League. There's a phrase in, in, in England that we use, you know, two men and his dog watching a game of football. That's Jane Lonsdale from the Don's Fan Trust. You know, literally on a Saturday afternoon, you can walk past a roped-off bit on a field and there'll be a game of football going on. It's worth understanding something here. In England, there are 23 tiers to the footballing pyramid, all governed by the FA, the Football Association. At the bottom are the youth teams and Sunday leagues, the equivalent of your kids' little league and your local bar's softball team. At the top, the Premier League, where teams like Man United and Chelsea play. Levels 5 through 11 are the non-league, semi-professional, and small market teams that Wimbledon fit into. The players might be pros, but they also might be carpenters, school teachers, bankers, who once a week gather in small stadiums and local parks to play the game of their youth. You know, literally on a Saturday afternoon, you can walk past a roped-off bit on a field and there'll be a game of football going on. The Dons played their games at a small football ground called Plough Lane. At first, Plough Lane held about 500 people, which was fine. Wimbledon were amateurs. Two men and his dog watching a game of football. But soon, their fan base grew. Plough Lane was expanded to a few thousand and then expanded again. And then again. And by the time the team decided to go professional, Plough Lane could fit almost 30,000 people in their all-standing concrete terraces. And then, April 15th, 1989, tragedy struck English football. Good evening. 93 soccer fans, mostly teenagers and children, have been crushed to death at today's FA Cup semi-final match between Liverpool and Nottingham Forest, held at Hillsborough in Sheffield. About 200 more were injured. It happened when Liverpool fans without tickets poured into terraces packed with genuine ticket holders at the Liverpool end of the ground. Tonight, the police said they'd opened the gates to prevent crowd problems outside the ground. Hundreds of people tried desperately to escape the overcrowding by scrambling over fences onto the pitch. After the police and the tabloids blamed the fans, alcohol and hooliganism, a government commission was set up to figure out how the disaster occurred. In the end, the government report concluded that the best way to prevent something like Hillsborough from happening again was to put an end to the all-standing stadium. What we must do is learn the lessons so that that never could possibly happen again at a football ground or any other sporting occasion. At that time, Wimbledon FC was in the Premier League with the big boys. Years of success at the lower level saw them promoted from one league to the next over and over again. But now, 
Plow Lane would have to be redeveloped, seats would have to be added, the old tiers torn down, and the owner said it was too expensive. Plow Lane was sold. I first went to a Wimbledon game in 1996 and saw us lose, <laughs> 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 ironically, and went back for more. And that was the beginning of the kind of protest years. The Dons were playing their games at Selhurst Park, where their local rivals Crystal Palace played. And a conversation had begun about relocating the club to a new permanent home. But people were not thrilled about the options being floated. I mean, one of the options was to move us to Dublin, which is an island, you know, and you're like, really? And our fans said, no, we want to watch local football. We want to watch our club locally in our area with the same people that we go to football with on a Saturday. The Dublin plan was quickly abandoned, but despite a huge outcry across the league on August 1st, 2001, the ownership of Wimbledon FC announced a plan to move to Milton Keynes, a town 70 miles away from Wimbledon Common. It's worth saying that there was basically no precedent for this. The FA had to approve the move, but they didn't know how to. At first, they said it was impossible that if the club moved to a new town, they'd have to be treated like a brand new club. They'd start at the bottom of the footballing pyramid and work their way back up, which would mean financial ruin for the owners. So the owners appealed the decision to a three-man arbitration panel. On that panel sat Charles Hollander, who was Queen's counsel. There was Douglas Craig and David Dean. And they were not the most impartial arbiters. Douglas Craig had once sold his club stadium to a holding company that he owned, and then evicted the club and sold the ground for a profit of almost four and a half million pounds. And... David Dean was co-chairman of Arsenal, the biggest name club to ever move their location and even improve their league position in the process. Two weeks later, the move to Milton Keynes was approved. Wimbledon FC would now be known as the Milton Keynes Dons, or MK Dons for short. This is the death of Wimbledon as far as I'm concerned. We did say originally that it wasn't going to be over until a ball was kicked in Milton Keynes or at Plough Lane but it still doesn't feel quite over until today. It's a very sad day for English football, I think. You know, people were symbolically burying their shirts in the ground whilst others were saying, hang on, dig them out, we're going to start again. Just, you know, hold fire. That night, a handful of fans gathered in the Fox and Grapes pub where the original club had been formed, and they decided to start again. Where were you when when that announcement was made? Do you remember? Oh, I absolutely remember. Yeah, absolutely. And and there's a reason why I remember as well. Um, it's actually my son's birthday. He was two at the time. And my husband had gone to the pub where these other fans had gone. And my husband came home that night telling me that we were going to recreate this club. And I was like, are you mad? What are you, what are you talking about? This is just ridiculous. If you think I'm going standing around a field with a bit of string, you have got another thing coming. We've got a two-year-old, what are you talking about? Clearly you've had too much to drink, go to bed. And I remember sitting in our front room going, do you know what, this, this isn't such a bad idea. We don't, we're not moving 70 miles, we're not going to another town. A clue is in the name, we're Wimbledon Football Club. We need to be in Wimbledon. Let's focus on that. Let's do something about that. I mean, I feel like um, emotionally I understand this, right? But, you know, here in the States, teams move. It's yeah. it's heartbreaking. It's my, my dad still talks about when the New York baseball giants left Manhattan and went to, to San Francisco. Yeah. But it happens over here. Why couldn't you guys just follow your team 50 miles away? Because, because it's about the community. 
I think I think it's very very different here. You know, you go and watch your local team. That's what we do here. We go and watch our local team, and Wimbledon was the most local team to us, and that's why we went and supported them. Chris Stewart, the chair of the Dons Trust, he made a, a, a statement that just resonated with people. He said, you know, I, I just want to watch football. I don't want to be protesting about something. I don't want to be moving to, to another part of the country. I don't want to be flying black balloons showing, you know, the death of a club. And he said, I'm fed up with doing that. I just want to watch some football. And lots of people, there was a thousand people in the room went, do you know what? That's what we want to do. We just want to watch some football. This is one of the things I love most about English soccer culture. There's this ferocious fandom that transcends a club's successes or failures. After all, it's a club, not a team. Every locality in England, no matter how small, has at least one football club. And they're not just providing an afternoon's entertainment. They often provide lessons for kids, social services for disabled adults, support for local charities, the list goes on and on. You support your local club the way you go to your local church no matter what league you're in. And who knows, support your team long enough, maybe they win enough to earn promotion to a higher league. Maybe you watch your local team go from a group of scrappy amateurs to world-class phenoms in a single decade. Just this year, Huddersfield, a town with a population of 160,000, has a team that made it into the Premier League. That's the equivalent of Peoria, Illinois, having a baseball team that plays against the Yankees. It's amazing for the club and for the town. Put another way, when Wimbledon FC moved to Milton Keynes to become MK Dons, Wimbledon was losing a fundamental part of its center, its identity, its soul. That night, the supporters of Wimbledon FC gathered in the Fox and Grapes pub and formed a new club, a club made from the ashes of the team that was leaving, a club that would be owned by its fans and no one else, a club called AFC Wimbledon. The first order of business was money. The club started a fundraising campaign selling season tickets for a team that didn't even exist yet. They charged 200 pounds a pop with the goal of raising 20,000 pounds. That 200 pounds raised 69,000 pounds in nine post days. That's, that's, a, that's amazing. That's absolutely astonishing. Had there ever been anything like this before? What, for Wimbledon? For for any, I mean, the, were, did, were you working off of a blueprint or was... Were no, you... no, 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 we were just, <laughs> we'd like to think we were. And this is down to the dedication and hard work of a very small number of people initially that worked incredibly hard to save our club. And now they were off to the races. Two weeks after the announcement that we were going, we'd got a manager and we'd got a kit and we'd got a crest and we'd got... We didn't have any players. <laughs> we, had no, we had no players and nowhere to play. And we announced that we would be doing trials on Wimbledon Common. Literally an open call for anyone with a pair of football boots to come try out for the team. Hundreds of people showed up. 40 were selected. Now they had a manager, a uniform, a name, a team and no league to play in. When Wimbledon FC moved to Milton Keynes, they were in the championship. MK Dons took their league place with them. Now AFC Wimbledon would have to start at the bottom of the barrel. They applied for entry to the Ryman League, which was six leagues below the top flight, but their application was voted down. So the new board of this new team applied to play in the Combined Counties League, 
nine tiers below where they had been playing. Two men and his dog watching a game of football. The combined counties league was concerned about the number of fans we had. We'd gone from stadiums of you know 40, 50, 60,000 to no disrespect to the combined counties league, but you know 100 to 200 people, and we were going to be turning up with who knew two, three, four, five, six thousand people. We didn't know. The club had to promise that they'd provide extra security, that they'd help out with the league, and finally. Combined Counties League agreed to let AFC Wimbledon join. This is no joke. We were stood on hay bales watching our very first league game against Sandhurst Town. Were you there for that? Yeah, yeah. That's the sound of the very first goal being scored for AFC Wimbledon. It was scored by Glenn Trigger Montclair. That's the sound of rebirth. At the end of their first season, they finished third in the Combined Counties League. At the end of the next, they won, earning promotion to the Ryman League First Division. A year later, they went up again to the Ryman Premier Division. Two years after that, they were in the Conference South, and then the Conference, getting closer and closer to the league, getting closer MK Dons, or in the words of their faithful fans, getting closer to the franchise scum. And then, nine years after they were really just an idea that a few sad fans had, they found themselves at the brink of history. AFC Wimbledon was in a one-game playoff to be promoted back into the league, back within reach of where they had been. The playoff final was held at the City of Manchester Stadium, which is, you know, was a beautiful stadium. We go to football as a family, so there's my two children and my husband and I. We always go as a family. It's a family event. I can't really remember much about the day, as in, did I think we were going to win? I don't really know. I was just going for a good day out. It was a very evenly matched game, but it went to a penalty shootout. Right. It's down to penalties. If a game is tied in a playoff final, each team gets to shoot five times from a spot 12 yards away from the goal. Luton will take theirs first. This in front of the Wimbledon fans to give Luton the lead. To Wimbledon, courtesy of goalkeeper Seb Brown. Not the greatest of penalties from Lawless. Seb Brown gets the right way. So Sam Hatton has the opportunity now to give Wimbledon a shootout lead. Emphatic from Sam Hatton. 1-0 Wimbledon. George Gilkington. The skipper to get Luton up and running. Ice cool. 1 1. <laughs> Luke Moore is next. It's a terrific day so far. This to give Wimbledon the lead. And it's another penalty of the highest quality. You don't take that. Two penalties now from Wimbledon. Some can't bear to watch. Adam Newton is next up. The substitute 
Chris scores parity. A man who scored in both semi-finals. To keep Wimbledon's 100% record going. He can't. It's Tyler's save. And the pendulum swings again. And now we're back on level terms. The man who thought he'd scored in normal time. He scored now. No, he's been denied by Seba. Wimbledon are down to one penalty. You know, it goes in slow time. It's like all those moments in time that just goes, oh my God, we're going to do this. We're going to get promoted. You know, the, the star strike of the squad, a chap called Danny Kedwell, took the final penalty. And Wimbledon are down to one penalty kick to take them into the Football League. The fairy tale is complete. Danny Kedwell is the hero. And the fans club that started less than nine years ago. And the place just erupted. It just went mental. And Wimbledon have a Football League club once again. And then we suddenly went, Oh my God, we're back in the league. Oh my God, we're back in the league. It's Cinderella. I mean, it's it's better than Cinderella, right? Because it's, you know, the, the princess becomes Cinderella and then has to fight her way back to being the princess, basically. It's, <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's not rags to riches, right? It's riches to rags to riches, which is even better. If, if you write it down, you'd look at it and go, that's never possible. Right. AFC Wimbledon were back in the league, but there was still one more hurdle to face. MK Dons the shadow of what they once were, the team that had left. Excuse me, Superman, it's me, Ricky, Ricky from Smallville. Superman, tell him he won't hurt anybody. Ricky, he's changed. No, maybe, maybe he's just sick. This is from Superman 3, you know, the one with Richard Pryor. In this scene, a corrupted, drunk Superman fights his better but weaker self, Clark Kent. I can give as good as I get. Come on, God, God, God! It's so bad. That's Superman being tossed into a vat of acid. And I know it's acid because there's a sign that says danger, acid. You always wanted to fly, Kent. Now's your chance. Drunk Superman puts Clark Kent in a car crusher, a sewer, and then he breaks his glasses, the ultimate insult. But then Clark Kent destroys his worst self, removes his shirt, revealing that he was Superman all along and flies off past the Statue of Liberty, stopping on the way to clean up an oil spill and repair a sinking tanker. A tale as old as time. It's not hard to see the parallel here. AFC Wimbledon facing MK Dons, the reborn, pure, fan-owned club facing the darkest version of what corporate football could become. But I should say right from the start that Jane does not see the relationship with MK Dons this way. So people have tried to to, to make it a rivalry and make it, you know, a derby game and a, you know, it's 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 kind of worse than a rivalry, but but not a rivalry. It's really hard to to describe to people. I I, I don't know what to say about them really. <laughs> they, you know, they 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 exist, and I I, I kind of wish they didn't. <laughs> I wish they didn't because I think it's the wrong thing for football. When I spoke to Jane, there was a game against Milton Keynes coming up, but she wasn't going. Lots of people are going to the game. Lots of people aren't going to the game. Season ticket holders aren't going and not returning their tickets for resale because they don't want to go and show their support. I do not want to go to that game because I don't want to recognise them as a club. That's how deep this goes. She can't even recognise them. That's how painful it is. 
There's a football song sung on the terraces of English football stadiums to taunt fans of clubs that are perceived to have bought their success. Where were you? Where were you? Where were you when you were shit? The implication being, of course, that the fans of this club are only there because of the wins. They're not real fans. They don't deserve their club. When AFC Wimbledon first faced Milton Keynes, the Wimbledon fans sang a variation on that tune. Where were you? Where were you? Where were you when you were us? You always wanted to fly, Kent. Now's your chance. In their first meeting, Milton Keynes defeated Wimbledon 3-2. In their second meeting, they won again. But on the third meeting, Wimbledon won. It may not have meant that much to Jane, though I suspect it probably does, but it means something to me. It scratches that justice itch that I feel all the time when I look at the world, when I think about the little guy, the downtrodden, the underdog. There's a, there's a famous quote in, in the announcement that was made by the FA Commission. It would not be in the wider interests of football. The exact quote is resurrecting the club from its ashes, as, say, Wimbledon Town, is not in the wider interests of football. Don't ever listen to anybody who says you're not in the wider interest of football or you you can't achieve something. The number of people pushing in the same direction can achieve anything. There will be things thrown at you that you're not expecting that you think w- would happen and didn't, but don't give up, just find another way of doing it. We're fan-owned, we're fan-run. We've had seven promotions in 15 years and we're back in the league. And ironically, we're in the same league now as that team that stole our league place. Or as Eric Samuelson put it in The Guardian, people who say things cannot be done should stop interrupting people who are actually doing it. That sums it up. Yes, it does. AFC Wimbledon's story is far from over. They're gearing up for their second season in League One and they'll soon be looking to make a push for promotion to the championship. And then, finally, the Premier League. But in the meanwhile, they've got another thing on their mind. Our big aim at the moment is is actually off-pitch. It's about moving back to Wimbledon. We want to build a stadium there. And we hope to be back in Wimbledon playing in Plough Lane, which is our spiritual home, which is where our first ground was. And, And how will you be raising the funds for that? We've sold our ground that we're currently at. There will be naming rights for the stadium. There will be, um, we'll probably go to our fans again and say, can you give us some money, please? So there's various funding streams to finance it. And it's not going to be easy, but, you know, whenever has our our journey been easy. (laughs) Oh, South London! Oh, South London! It's wonderful! It's wonderful! South London is wonderful! As of June 30th, the last hurdles to move back to Plough Lane were lifted. All that's left is a little bit of cash. Well, I know that when they put out their calls for donations, I'll be giving to the little big club that could. And if you like this story, go to www.firsttimelongtime.am and click donate. Help out the little podcast that could. If you can't give money, then go over to iTunes and rate us and leave a comment. Spread the word. A small group of people pushing in one direction can make anything happen. That's it for episode one of the second season of First Time, Long Time. 
Special thanks to Jane Lonsdale and to the guy in the Park Slope Food Co-op many years ago who told me the story of AFC Wimbledon while we restocked olives. You can find links to some amazing videos at our website, including all the great music I use. And while you're there, consider donating. Okay, that's the last time I ask, I promise. As a sign-off today, here's Gerard Romero's call of Barcelona's epic comeback against PSG in this year's Champions League. All one minute and 40 seconds of unedited emotion. Listen to the end. It's really worth it. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.